Hello and welcome to VR Download. I'm Ian Hamilton coming to you from Virtual Reality. I'm joined by David Heaney. What do we have today, Heaney? So we're going to talk about the Tundra Trackers news, the Steam VR tracker. We're going to talk about a report that claims Samsung is working on its own AR devices separate from its Microsoft partnership. And we're also going to talk about the news of the partnership between Qualcomm and ByteDance, which is the parent company of TikTok. And it also acquired Pico last year, the independent Chinese headset manufacturer. Mm. Yeah, so let's get right into that first bit of news. The Tundra Steam VR tracker is launching for general buyers at a raised price due to the worldwide component shortage. It's been about one year since Tundra doubled its crowdfunding goal, and now it's going to go on general sales. So they've gotten 11,000 of these out to their Kickstarter backers, and it's designed to weigh a maximum of 50 grams. The first batch of general orders for the device uh, are set to go out on March 10th to people in U.S., Canada, and Asia, as well as a few days later in Europe. You'll also be able... So the prices here, Heaney, break down the prices and really how this stacks up against the five trackers. So it's good news this week for Kickstarter backers, but not so great news for people who just want to buy it in general seal. So... Tundra have basically said that because of the current chip shortage issue, which is affecting all hardware startups, it's not affecting the big companies as much, but it is affecting the smaller companies quite a lot. They're saying they're going to have to raise the prices and they're going to have to ship a lot less than they thought they would. So they've already got those 11,000 out to Kickstarter backers, where you can get a bundle of three of these trackers for $300 for a Kickstarter backer. But if you're not, that price is now going up to $360. And so HTC's own Vive Tracker 3.0 is priced at $130. So this pretty much brings the Tundra Tracker in line with it. So instead of being kind of cheaper, which was one of the real potential advantages of Tundra and what a lot of the kind of excitement for this was about, it's going to end up essentially being priced the same. What it does have over the Vive Trackers, though, is that it is a lot smaller So you can see here, this is it compared to the original Vive Tracker size. But obviously last year, HTC came out with their own new product, which is smaller. And I find on Reddit, someone has made a nice little Photoshop effect here of putting in the size of HTC's new tracker in the middle, their old tracker on the right, the Tundra trackers on the left. So you see it is still smaller and lighter, 50 grams versus 75 grams. But it looks like that potential for price reduction just isn't going to be realized yet which is going to be a disappointment to the people who are looking to get cheaper full body tracking because one of the primary use cases for these devices these steam vr trackers is full body tracking in the consumer space obviously for enterprise there are specific scenarios where you track a a specific object for things like training but for most users that's what they're using it for so you need to get quite a few of these trackers and that price reduction just isn't going to be there now yeah, I, my brother recently asked me about some random ad or, or, or service he saw for uh, baseball training in VR, and I went and investigated it, and they were using Quest 2s with like a baseball bat, and the immediate question was, is the tracking good enough to actually track a baseball bat? But you, you need something kind of like this, right, with more robust tracking to do that kind of serious training tracking, don't you, Heaney? 
Yeah, if you were just trying to do a hand tracking situation, the Quest 2's current tracking isn't good enough for that. You couldn't just track the hands around a baseball bat and hope for it to work. You could attach the Quest 2 controllers, which is what a lot of people do, but the controllers aren't designed for that. So ergonomically, it's awkward and they're going to be accidental button presses. So it's interesting that while these trackers all require the Lighthouse Steam VR base stations, which are included with the HTC Vive, and the Valve Index. HTC actually did come out recently. We talked about it uh, two months ago with their own tracker for standalone headsets for their Vive Focus 3. But it's again, it's at the same price. So even though we're kind of seeing different tracking technologies yet, we're not seeing what people are really looking for, which is a, a meaningful reduction in cost. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I think this goes to the core question that I think is going to be on a lot of our mo- uh, the minds of our audience out there. And hello, Andrew. Hello, Bicycle. Hello, everyone else, Sampler. Are we going to have trackers even smaller than this, I would assume, in five years? But are we going to have trackers, dedicated devices that we're going to attach to physical objects or even other parts of our body to get that full body tracking experience five years from now? That's, that is a good question because there's going to be two kind of things racing here. There's going to be, can trackers like this be miniaturized and cost reduced versus can computer vision reduce the need for trackers whatsoever? So for body tracking, that would be a kind of external sensor that would use a computer vision algorithm to track your body or maybe a set of two external sensors. For for objects, that would just be kind of real-time 3D object meshing and tracking because if it's an object you've never seen before, you're going to have to, the, the computer's going to have to understand the shape of it first to bring it into VR. That's that's something that we see in research papers currently, but it is a question of, will that be actually in consumer headsets in five years? I, if I had to guess, I would say yes, just based on how fast the field of computer vision is advancing. If you'd even talked five years ago about, will we have completely standalone mobile headsets with high quality head and controller tracking? A lot of people would have said no to that. So the question is, will we still be using the Steam VR Lighthouse tracking system in five years as well, isn't it? Because yes, a lot of enthusiasts are using that today, but those base stations are $150 each. And it's not clear that to me that Valve's going to release another headset that requires those base stations. I say it could be very likely that you can use those base stations to enhance the tracking, but Valve has been working with a few computer vision startups now that work on inside out tracking for both the headset and controllers. So I'd expect we'll see trackers that are more like what HTC released, which is essentially the tracking ring of a controller, but without the actual buttons and thumbsticks and triggers. So I think that's where we're going to see trackers move in the near term. But it's going to be very interesting to see whether the the need for trackers is completely replaced by computer vision or not. Mm -hmm. Very interesting breakdown there. All right, let's uh, you see any comments we should get to or should we get to uh, the second bit of news we've got here, Heaney? Yeah, I see Bertie Blob saying that phones could be used instead of dedicated devices. I, I don't disagree. I think the problem there is going to be the same problem with the Gear VR, though, where you're going to have to use a lot of your phone's battery and put your phone completely out of commission by mounting it up in the corner. The other problem is phone cameras, the very latest ones have wider field of view sensors on the back for kind of wide angle photos that's the one you need to use but they're generally not the ones that are optimized for computer vision and as far as i know ar kit still uses the narrower sensor i'm curious about the the center stage feature that apple just copied over from meta that basically has a super wide angle camera on the front 
and then uses zooming to follow people around a, a physical space. Like that seems like an avenue there that I could see really getting adopted for this near term as well, right? Yeah, like it's the same thing with the portal where we talked about this a few weeks ago of could portal be used for body tracking. Those algorithms are just tracking faces as in the shape of a face is, is a lot easier to track than precisely tracking multiple body parts, including the arms and the legs and different elements of your torso. I, I do think it's possible we'll see it from phones, but I don't know if any company will require that because it would be you'd re- be requiring your customers to have a specific type of phone and then draining the battery hard and also heating it up. Because if you even use ARKit today for its body tracking features, which is used for segmentation, you'll notice that your device heats up and drains battery a lot faster than you might expect. And in VR headsets, computer vision is able to be done in real time because there are these cooling fans constantly cooling down the processor. But when you have those phones that are jammed into like seven or eight millimeters, there's just not enough cooling space to really use that for hours on end. Mm. All right, let's move on to the next news subject here. Korea news outlets claim that Samsung is working on an AR headset, and this may actually be a second device that's being worked on in that field for Microsoft in partnership with Microsoft. So kind of break this down, Heaney. What do we got in terms of sourcing here and understanding what's going on? So yeah, a a few weeks ago on this show, we talked about the report, four weeks ago specifically, we talked about the report from Insider, formerly Business Insider, and they were reporting that Microsoft has shelved HoloLens 3 in favor of a Samsung partnership where Samsung would handle the hardware, and they're claiming to have Insider sources from Microsoft. I think Ashley Stewart claimed to have north of 10 sources in total on this story. So... The new report that comes from these Korean news outlets, specifically the Electronic Times, is saying that as well as this device that's being worked on with Microsoft, which you know presumably is going to run Windows Mixed Reality software, Samsung is actually working on its own headset as well, which would run its own Exynos chips and an Android-based OS. So the report called this a two-track strategy, but there was no other details on what would actually make these two devices different. So it's possible that Samsung is just trying to do a throw everything at the wall and see what sticks approach, where they they put out something with Windows Mixed Reality, (laughs) they put out something with Android, and whichever consumers prefer is the one they keep building. But it's also possible that these are two very different devices, because we know that HoloLens uses transparent optics, which have, you know, they let you see through to the real world perfectly because they're transparent, but they have a much narrower field of view. But the rest of the industry is still using or is is going to be using in the future opaque optics like we have in VR headsets where high resolution color cameras will pass through the real world to you. And then you get a wider field of view, but a lower quality view of the same world. So it's possible that Samsung is going to build an opaque and a transparent headset, but it also could just be a multi OS strategy. Mm, That's really, really confusing here because Microsoft's mixed reality platform has really languished for years now. And it's it's really unclear what their next steps are. Do you have any kind of inkling or guess as to what Microsoft is going to do as its next thing? Because this sounds like it's, yeah, it it could go in a couple different directions. What's, What's specifically next for Microsoft, do you think? Yeah, so based on that insider report at the time and kind of what Microsoft strategy seems to potentially be based on their moves, 
I really do think they're going to try and be the Android of the XR world. So they want to provide the software, but they want companies like Samsung and LG and Sony even, or any of the other consumer electronics companies to the hardware. And we know they already did try this on PC with wired headsets, and it kind of failed spectacularly. It's Windows Mixed Reality has got almost no traction on Steam. But I think if they if they took a much more involved approach to this that runs on kind of standalone hardware and uses the same operating system software and apps as the HoloLens 2, it's possible they could make some inroads there. Because I think at the time, the other issue was that these companies weren't really ready to jump into the VR, AR space, the manufacturers they worked with. But now with the whole kind of metaverse hype and investors interested in that, I think a lot of these companies are going to want in. And if you are a company like LG right now and you want to release a device like Quest or even a device like HoloLens, there's no go-to OS for you to use. Google had Daydream a few years ago, but shelved it. So you would either have to make your own OS and platform and get out in all the content yourself and do all of that work, which hardware companies very rarely want to do because it's such an investment and requires software expertise rather than hardware expertise. But if Microsoft can go out there and say, Windows Mixed Reality is that platform, any hardware company that wants to build a headset, we'll give you all the software ready to go, then that is their potential approach. I think that's going to be their strategy. And that's really interesting to see that go parallel to what Qualcomm is doing with its uh, Snapdragon Spaces initiative. To I mean, they, they want to be a power, fundamental powering company as well, giving those fundamental building blocks to other manufacturers. But what is the software platform that the end consumers are going to be able to get on top of either of these? They're both also RANs compared to how far ahead Valve is and uh, how far ahead Sony and Meta are in the number of apps on their platforms and just rolling from there. I mean, Meta is in kind of a class by itself in terms of number of apps running on Qualcomm chips. How can, how does that fit into this idea that Microsoft wants to provide an underlying layer? Like they also need to provide the apps too, don't they, Heaney? Well, I, I think that's potentially what Microsoft will try to do. I think they will try to make it a full stack solution where they provide the store and they fund content as well. If you look at what Qualcomm's doing with Snapdragon Spaces, which we'll talk about later with with Pico, it's kind of a little bit lower level where they're just providing the core technologies like the tracking, the object recognition, the guardian system, those kind of core fundamental technologies. But what I think but they would still expect their partner to build out the kind of content and consumer-facing aspect of that. Whereas where I think Microsoft could be entering this and what I think their strategy could be is to provide the entire stack, just like Google does today for Android. You know, If you buy a Samsung smartphone, you, 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 there is a Samsung store there, but barely anyone uses it. What you really use is the Google Play Store and, and Chrome and the kind of Android applications that come with it. I think that's Microsoft's potential here. And I think there's no actual competition there yet because yes, Meta's operating system and store and content ecosystem is well ahead of what Microsoft is today, but Meta don't provide their operating system or store to other hardware manufacturers. I think Andrew Bosworth, the CTO, the incoming CTO of Meta mentioned in a Ask Me Anything session that he's not against the idea. But there's a big world of difference between not being against the idea and actually making efforts to make that happen. 
I'm seeing Agent M83's comment here. Can I wake up yet? Do we have some actual for real AR glasses coming? I love that question because we go back and forth on this a lot, Heaney, and I've I've started on an, another editorial here to try to get out some of these see some of these confusing things about the fact that an opaque VR headset is ideal for indoor use and having AR pass through layered on top of that is going to make your VR experience better and allow for mixed reality experiences indoors. But that's a completely different design consideration than these AR glasses that you're going to want to be fashionable and slim enough and provide good enough optics to work in a variety of scenarios. And there's just, those are divergent product paths for the foreseeable future. And we've got this a lot of reporting here about what's happening behind closed doors at various companies. And the terminology gets filtered through multiple layers of sources and reporting. And it confuses a lot of people out there about what's actually coming down the line. In answer to that question, I think it's my belief is we're going to see opaque VR headsets with AR pass-through features for the foreseeable future. And maybe they get labeled as something else other than our current headsets, but that's kind of the pathway near term, isn't it, Heaney? Yeah, I think it's clear to me that these reports are talking about headsets rather than glasses. I've said this a lot, but I'm of the view that as these headsets get these rich mixed reality features, we're, we're not going to call them VR headsets anymore. They'll just be called headsets because people will use them just as much for mixed reality, playing a game in your room or kind of pinning a TV to the wall or doing kind of virtual productivity where you're in a real environment, not your not a virtual environment. I think those will be used just as much. To, in, in answer to the question, can you wake up yet? Are there actual AR glasses coming out? You can get... AR glasses today, if you really want them, they're just extremely primitive. You can get the Unreal glasses in the United States, but they don't have occlusion. So if you walk behind a wall, the hologram will look like it's kind of going through the wall. They are have a very limited field of view. The software is extremely limited. It's kind of like asking, can you get a desktop PC in the 1980s? Sure you can. There's just not really much to do on it yet, and it's not great yet. But as Ian's sort of saying here, before we get a, those AR glasses, there's going to be these headsets that do AR way better than any glasses that are even on the horizon. Yeah. All right, let's get into our, our last planned news subject. And of course, we will keep trying to get into your questions in the comments. If something else you want us to get into, let us know down there and we'll try to get into it. TikTok owner partnering with Qualcomm for XR headsets. So TikTok and Pico's owner is called ByteDance. And they announced a partnership with Qualcomm for XR devices and software. Could it be planning to launch a Quest competitor in the West? That is the big question. So this partnership is on hardware and software. As we were talking about earlier, Qualcomm, obviously, if anyone listening to this doesn't know who Qualcomm is, it's the company that makes the chips that go into the majority of Android phones. And it's also the company that makes the chips that go in to the Quest 2 the Vive Focus 3, and Pico, who is this company, it's a Chinese startup that actually released a standalone headset a year before Oculus Go. A lot of people think the Oculus Go was the first standalone headset. By standalone, we mean one that has all the processing on board, doesn't require a PC or a phone or a console. But Pico released this little headset called the Goblin, which was 
very similar to Oculus Go actually a year before. And in that, since then, we've seen them pivot away from consumer and focus on selling to businesses, although they do still focus on consumers in the China market. And their latest headset is what we have up here, which is the Pico Neo 3 Pro. I tried it out when I went over to see Jamie a few months ago. I was not a fan of the lenses, but the experience was pretty similar to what you would get in something like a Quest 2. And they do not sell this to Western consumers, but last year they were acquired by ByteDance, the company behind TikTok. And that's obviously a much larger company. It's a Chinese tech giant that has the financial resources to potentially launch in the West to consumers if it wanted. And it already has a, a relationship with consumers in the West with TikTok. Not something I use, but many, many people use it. It's the fastest growing <laughs> social media platform by far. And the question to me isn't whether they can do the, the hardware side of this because you know the hardware is here. Interestingly, it comes out, out of the same factory as the Quest 2. Actually, Gore-Tec is the company that manufactures them both. That's probably a big reason for the visual similarities. But the partnership with Qualcomm means that they can get the tech because Qualcomm are also going to provide Snapdragon Spaces, their core technology. The big question is, can ByteDance provide the content? Quest has a lot of content that could be ported over because the developers aren't tied to Meta. But at the same time, a lot of its content, including Beat Saber and Population One, two of the biggest titles on the platform, are exclusive to Meta, as are the kind of system sellers such as Vader Immortal and those sort of Star Wars series, although it did come to PSVR. It's unclear if any of those could come to other standalone platforms. It's also unclear whether they're going to, if they are investing in content, are there differences between what the China market would want and what the Western market would want, and how are they going to prioritize there? I, I think it's possible that they are just going to double down on the China market and try to own it rather than try and take on Meta. But if they do, it would be some of the most interesting competition potential because this is one of the few companies that could potentially afford to subsidize in the same way Meta is and play them at their same game because they're also using advertising money from social media targeted advertising, which means they have a lot of money to play around with. Yeah, I think we've got a very deep issue here, or this is going to, if this actually comes to pass, Heaney, where we have a, a China-funded initiative to really come into the West again, because we've kind of, we had Vive try to do, HTC and Vive try to do competition with Meta, and it didn't go so well, right? Like, there was that summer period from like 2017 to 2018 where Facebook just slashed the prices of the Rift down to incredible levels, just super, super cheap to go out and get a Rift. And Vive had to find its own place in the market in competition with that price cutting. And it it's found this place that's outside the United States, and it's even outside of consumers in most places in the world. And you're absolutely right that maybe uh, ByteDance and TikTok could come back at this market and, and try to compete for those people. But then you get to this really fundamental question of who owns your data? What are they doing with it? And it's what's scarier than Facebook owning your data? Is, is it China owning your data? Like, is that really what we're fundamentally discussing over the long term here, Heaney? Yeah, if you're someone who isn't interested in getting a Quest 2 because of 
the company that owns it, <laughs> this is not good news because one of the few things, if you are of that view, that would be worse than Meta having your data is a company that has very strong ties to the Chinese government to the point where some analysts would say that a lot of these Chinese tech giants are essentially owned by the Chinese government in kind of clandestine in a clandestine sense. So I don't know if that's really the healthy competition we want, but at the very least, it would push other companies to enter the space and it would put pressure on Meta to compete in other ways that it isn't right now because there is no direct competition. So even if you are someone that didn't want to get either of these products, it would spur on the market itself. But yeah, I think it would be very odd to be worried about Meta, but not the Chinese government. Mm. And I'm I'm sort of watching what's happening with Russia and Ukraine very intently in the way of, obviously there's a lot to get into there, but one thing that is fairly interesting is the way Russia is managing uh, Western corporations operating inside their borders and the way Western companies are pulling themselves out as well. And the fact that that sort of reality that you could go for five or 10 years where there are no serious restrictions, like maybe you have to operate within the local rules, but the moment the clamp comes down, the rules change, could squelch free speech in a really significant way, kind of all of a sudden, just it could be a switch overnight. And that's something a lot of people will have to grapple with if this really happens. I'm watching what Walkabout Mini Golf is doing, and I, I love Walkabout Mini Golf. And they just announced a like a, a speaker series where people can come into Walkabout Mini Golf and have deep conversations together while they're playing holes together. And it's a genius way to use their platform. I went in and did some of this myself with like various people, just great conversations having over a round of golf. But you think about whether the tone and content of those conversations could really happen with uh, a Chinese resident and an American resident and having both have a really open discussion about which is which country imprisons more people and is the more oppressive nation. Like, could you really have that discussion on uh, a platform like Walkabout Mini Golf in, in the next few years? I don't know. That's one of those things we're going to have to see how it plays out, I suppose. Well, I think it's clear that any Pico offering from social VR, you wouldn't have the Chinese and American users talking because just like TikTok, there are separate versions in China. A lot of things that are considered things that would be moderated away in China are things that are very acceptable in the United States. So I don't think the cultural kind of differences there would really work out. So yeah, it's interesting to think of the idea of a Western com of a Chinese company entering the Western market from that risk perspective of what if in a few years they invest all this content and all this marketing and push their device into retailers and then the US announces some sort of export ban on te technologies. Xiaomi has tried to enter the US market for years now and it can't kind of get through the carriers because of some risks like that. And I'm pretty sure Xiaomi or one of its suppliers was on one of the US export ban lists for quite a while and may still be. So I, that's one of the reasons I think ByteDance may want to focus on the China or maybe even the China and Asia market, maybe even the China, Asia and European market. But entering the United States, given the current kind of low level trade war going on, doesn't seem sensible in the long term. And as you said, it could be one of those situations like with Russia, where the economic ties between the countries become less and less viable over time for mass market consumer products. Mm. 
Any comments there that we should get to, Heaney? Yes. Um, someone here was asking how ByteDance would keep up with Meta's research and development. And the answer to that is, as we were saying, ByteDance is partnering with Qualcomm on the hardware and the software. So Meta, Qualcomm describes Meta as a partner, but that's on the hardware side. Qualcomm provides the chips in the Quest 2, but Meta makes all of the software in the Quest 2. From my understanding of this partnership, based on what the CEOs of ByteDance and Qualcomm said when it was announced, this is going to be the core software as well. So the tracking that will run on any potential future Pico device, I mean, I'll read the direct quote out here. We are excited about the fact that we will be working together on hardware, software, and technology roadmaps to enable the ecosystem for Pico. We look forward to our future Pico devices that are powered by the Snapdragon Spaces XR developer platform. So I think we're going to see this these headsets running the Qualcomm software. Developers will be using Qualcomm's SDK to build for it rather than going any through Pico. And that actually means that if there's other device makers that want to use Snapdragon Spaces and release Android-based headsets, it's going to be a lot easier for these features to come in. Because it's, it's interesting that while both Quest and Snapdragon Spaces have positional tracking, hand tracking, and spatial anchors, Snapdragon Spaces actually has other features like plane detection, so it can detect your table or a large kind of bench surface. It can detect images, so you know 2D color images. They also say it can detect 3D objects, spatially mesh out your room, have occlusion and scene understanding. And this is something that Quest 2 is going to get in a manual sense where you kind of go around and tap your walls and point at your ceiling. But it's not something that Meta has announced yet of being automatic. So I think they'll be able to keep up with Meta in the short term just because Qualcomm's actually been working on this XR core technology for years now as it's been working along with companies like Meta. But it is an open question of in the long term, as Meta potentially moves to its own chips in the very long term, as Meta starts to bring in some of these research and development projects and roll them into consumer products, can ByteDance directly keep up there? We'll have to keep a closer look on what their hiring is like and see whether they're building any R&D labs within China. But as always, it's very hard to get reliable information out of the Chinese market. Yeah, I like James O'Loughlin's comment here, basically saying, no thanks for me, I barely trust many U.S. companies with a with a wearable, egocentric device. And I, I think that's interesting, he uses the term egocentric, because I've been hearing that coming out of Meta in some of their research right now, where they are making available data sets that are egocentric. So what they mean by that is a device that captures the wearer's perspective, or at least their view into the world, and then analyzes all the data coming at that perspective that more or less may be left on the table by your internal perceptual system and then could be analyzed by an AI and provide you like things like where you left your keys because one image 40 minutes ago was captured by your egocentric camera system and it remembers where your your keys were left and you don't because you didn't you weren't thinking about your your keys at that time and that's the type of thing that meta is is really working towards the other thing i i want to get into there is architecturally from a design perspective the less these devices capture 
the the more secure they are in in some senses. So like the layers that these devices have in in their sensors are going to be really essential to break down in the coming years because we want to know precisely what they're capable of capturing. And honestly, it just does a lot of companies good to capture the least amount of data possible while still providing uh, the exact functionality they need. Yeah, though, obviously with VR headsets, the problem is that to advance, they need to get these better, higher resolution color sensors. So it's it's a kind of a nightmare scenario from the perspective of trying to keep a device collecting as little information as possible, especially once we get into the future and your body is going to be tracked, your facial expression, your eyes. It's an open question as to whether people would trust a company like Pico. But even if it's just within the Asian market, that's still going to provide viable alternatives there. Yeah, and Anthony Wexford saying VR could be the unifying force the world needs right now. That is, that's going to be in our minds a lot, right? Where people... People are the same and different across the entire world, right? We share more in common than we have actually setting us apart. But our government and social structures are set up as barriers to us. And VR is this idea that you could strip away some of those things and still have an interaction. And I was explaining VR to to someone over the weekend and trying to get across. I'm always faced with that situation of how can I explain this to someone in the least number of words uh, possible, what the ultimate potential of this technology was. And it went, it went directly to translation, right? Where we talked about this recently, Heaney, where uh, you could have someone in this space who speaks Chinese and I could speak English and the whole system all the way down from the mouth shapes that are actually signaled by our avatars could in real time translate what that Chinese person is saying into English for me and into Chinese for them. But it's it's a very challenging prospect and how whether that person on the other end is monitored is one of those things that, that we're going to come back to again and again and again in the coming years. So I, I like that thinking from Anthony there about it being this unifying force, but it is going to be kind of a core part of our work as journalists and uh, commentators analyzing this field to understand whether those those conversations are actually taking place or whether there's outside forces kind of stopping those conversations from happening. Yeah, it really is this siloing of the internet is the kind of barrier there rather than the technology because you have the the Great Firewall as it's nicknamed in China. Obviously, if you have a VPN service, you can use that, but there are potential problems around. Are the authorities going to have a problem with that? One of the things we've actually seen in recent years tying into recent events is Russia is trying to work to, to build its own internet, as people are saying that. Obviously, they want to have their own social media services. They want to try and block out as much of the West's social media services as possible. So there could be this unfortunate scenario where even when we have the technology to have these rich conversations between languages, those oppressive governments are still keeping their people away from the rest of the world for the obvious reason that if you see the rest of the world and you see what freedom and democracy are like, you may not be as willing to submit to your current government and it may cause a lot of compliance issues. So it would be great if over time we do see that happen, but at the end of the day, it is a governance problem there that's going to prevent that. Hmm. Very, very interesting discussion and something we're definitely going to come back to again and again. Anything else out there in the comments that we should get to, Heaney? 
Riddle pointing out that Microsoft has a much better privacy record than Meta. So they're saying they'd be more comfortable to use a device that ran Microsoft software than Meta. And that's a good point. Microsoft doesn't currently have a business model that is based on mass data collection. They are very much a services company in many sense. A lot of their revenue comes from actually selling something mostly to enterprise on these recurring subscriptions of all their services. So they don't really have that same incentive to collect and use data for targeted advertising. That's a that's a good point there. Mm, I was I was going to joke. How does how do these two paradigms of, of governance compete with each other? And I was going to ask Ahini whether hacking hacking is going to be a a recurring way of these companies competing with one another because there is some history there of industrial espionage, isn't there, in getting things from the west to the east? Oh yeah, there's a, a lot of. Chinese military technology, for example, is directly copied from Western designs. And you, you have this story where five years earlier, a large aerospace company, for example, has their systems hacked coming from Chinese government IP addresses. And then five years later, they come out with their latest fighter jet and it looks identical to what was just hacked five years ago. So it's it's hard to tell how much of that's going to happen in the consumer space, but it's certainly something that's happening in the military and government space. And it'd be real interesting whether disclosure of those interactions is something that benefits the Western companies or not, whether just make your security better and move on or just deal with it as a as a matter of business. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Very fast show. I was noticing, Heaney, that the Steam hardware survey updated right before we came in here. And Quest 2 has m- notched another percentage point closer to 50% for just the Quest 2. It's obviously over 50% for just for both headsets. But obviously, we watched that like really, really closely. And the Pac-Manning continues, doesn't it, Heaney? So uh, I'm sure we'll have a story on that pretty soon. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, like, comment, subscribe. Please share this link. We are uh, trying to analyze the news in a way you really don't get anywhere else. And we'd love to have more people in here, bringing them into all the latest that's happening in VR and really diving into this as far and as deep as we can. For those wondering where Kyle is, he's working on a special project out there, new shows uh, that he's trying to get up and running. And we should have more info on those really soon. Last comment I'm going to just bring up here. Onikazi is saying, has Microsoft completely washed their reputation from the 90s? I think that's a very interesting point because in the 90s, Microsoft had the reputation that Meta has today. Everyone within the tech industry and the tech journalism industry hated Microsoft with a passion and said, I will never use Microsoft products and Microsoft is an awful company. And to answer your question directly, even though your question was rhetorical, Onikazi, yes, Microsoft does seem to have completely washed their reputation from the 90s. So how that relates to today is, will Meta be able to do the same in the next few decades? Will we still be talking about Meta in the same way that people talk about Facebook today? Because as generations move on and as companies radically transform, it's possible that some of those old reputations don't stick around for as long as we might expect. Mm. All right. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the future.